Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hello, Womb Wisdom family. Oh my goodness. I am so excited about this podcast today. One, because I'm getting to interview and talk to one of my best friends in the whole world and also someone who's been an incredible mentor and guru to me, um, but also for all of the wisdom that she's going to impart for all of you today. So let me introduce Erin Doppelt, who is a spiritual psychology and meditation teacher amongst so many other wonderful things that are probably going to come up in the course of our conversation. So, hey, Erin, why don't you introduce yourself to the podcast, fam? I'm Stephanie's best friend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so, so happy to be here. Uh, everything I share with the world is Eastern ritual and Western psychology. And Steph and I set the intention that we trust that this conversation is going to really help anybody who chooses to tune in. So wherever you are in the world, feel free to breathe deeply with us. Know that you're in a conversation with women who really want the best for you. And so we will speak to so many different modalities And yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me, my love. Oh, I just couldn't wait to have you on. I've been on your podcast a gazillion times. And now that we've had that this podcast was launched, I just was like, I want to have Erin on and I'm so excited about it. And yeah, I mean, something that I think we could even just start jumping into is I feel like, you know, when I talk about some of the ways that I serve women, it's like really like, how do we help modern women thrive in the modern world. And a lot of times that's using ancient practices or I'll oftentimes refer back to, well, like what was your great grandmother doing? Right. And something that I think is so interesting about your work is this East meets West. And I think so often we think of like Eastern tradition, Western, you know, day-to-day life. So talk to us a little bit about just like, what does that mean to you when you're like Eastern tradition and Western, you know, psychology, like kind of expand on that because I feel like it's really similar to a lot of the principles I have. We just kind of approach them differently. There's never a one size fits all model. And I know you talk about this all the time as it relates to nutrition with your clients. And the same thing is true when it comes to living on your highest possible timeline. And that was actually a very hard lesson for me to learn. I couldn't understand why everybody around me wasn't interested in traveling the world or talking about God or meeting me at yoga or eating. You know, at the time it was all about the green smoothies circa 2013. And it's because not everybody desires the same thing. We all have different, I I call it legacy energy. So different reasons for why we are here. And your opportunity is to use every single modality, ritual, culture, religion, 
sandwich, like whatever you desire to find the pathway that's going to connect you to what I call your inner guru, so your innermost authentic self and God. So a higher power as you understand it. I, I say, God, if you want to in insert the universe, Gaia, ma mother nature, whatever the feels aligned for you. And once I learned that, that was a pretty life altering awakening, I would say. And it really brought me to to meditation. So I think so many of us have normalized feeling states of anxiety. So many of us have normalized feeling states of depression. And what I'm learning, and one of my most favorite professors from Columbia, Dr. Lisa Miller, she just came out with a book called The Enlightened Brain. And it talks about how depression is actually one of the first marks in a spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. So these obstacles that we face as a culture, and I'll maybe add an asterisk as a more Western culture, are here to bring us back to ourselves and God. So yeah, that the weaving of East meets West is find the thing that most resonates with you. And I really love how you started the conversation because whenever somebody comes to work with me or decides to be in my world, whether it's to become a certified meditation teacher and spiritual psychology coach in the aligned coaching certification, or they desire business coaching, like heart-led spiritual business coaching, the first thing that I will always say is you have to get curious as to why you were born to your specific family in this specific part of the world and why your family prays to a specific God or doesn't. And that's the place to start because your soul could have been anywhere. It could have been any gender, any skin color, any culture, any religion. And I think so often we bypass that and we don't honor our roots when that is essentially the most important place to start. So blending East meets West, finding the modalities that align with you, making your own formula so that you can feel better and feeling better also is going to look different for every person. Yeah. Wow. I love that idea around getting curious about why was I born to this time? Why was I born to this family? Why was I born to this place? Like, what is my Dharma here? And I think that so often it's, really easy. I mean, in some ways, like you and I were born in one of the most privileged ways we could be born. Right. And I think it's also easy, even with all of that in mind for a, a lot of the women I work with for us to, you know, we all have family drama. We all have family things for us to be able to be like looking at that and not being able to like, see the lessons in it. Right. And just like see the challenges, the hardship, et cetera. But recognizing that that challenge, that hardship, that place, even like you were saying about your professor, that depression, it's there to create a portal, an opening, an opportunity for you to start to express yourself as your highest self, right? To do the work that you were brought here to do. And I think that that's something we so often don't do. And I'm actually really curious if you can expand for me a little bit more on this idea around the depression piece. Because something that I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I think people are, and especially I'll speak to women, why I think a lot of women are depressed in Western culture, birth control being one of them. We know birth control shows like insane correlations with anxiety and depression. And I can't tell you how many times in my practice I'm interviewing, you know, I'm doing my intake with someone. Okay. I went on birth control when I was 15. I went on antidepressants when I was 16. Right. And like, no one talks about the correlation and these women have been on these medications together for 10 years. Um, but beyond that, it's something that I think our society is just uncomfortable being sad. 
And like, I'm really curious what you think about this. And it's something I've been thinking about for literally years where it's like, it is normal to have a sad reaction to a situation that we're in that doesn't feel good. Right. And so why, instead of just being like, you're depressed, here's the med. Are we not talking about like, it's okay to be sad. And like, we don't have to run away from the sadness, but can we use that to then get curious about our situation and change it? So like, what do you think the like huge increase of depression in the Western world and like how we're addressing it? Like, what, what do you think about it? Where, where do we go from here as a society? <laughs> Birth control made me so fucking depressed. And I was, I remember coming home from school when I was 15 and I begged my mom to take me to the dermatologist and the dermatologist prescribed me Yaz. And when I got that pill pack in my hand, I wept. I was so grateful. I was so happy because I always had a third eye. Like I always had a big pimple in the middle of my forehead. Uh, I went from like a small C to like a triple D. I gained probably about 16 pounds and I was depressed. But thank God, and I really do say this, like my family wasn't attuned to that. They didn't really know what to do. They didn't really know what to do about it. I wouldn't even call it, I would probably not have even called it depression. I would just maybe call it like wintertime blues or like feelings of sadness, but it kind of was really normalized. So there's a couple of different things in the question. Birth control is a huge contributing factor. We are training women to, I'm preaching. I know you you could go on about this forever. We are saying to women, here's a pill that can solve all your problems. For me, it was acne. And then we kind of live a medicated life for the rest of our lives. And we never connect to our own innate rhythm, our own intuitive self. And we're blocking a lot of things. I mean, women, who knows like we don't even know what these substances are really doing to our bodies but it's definitely blocking us from connecting to our most authentic version of self so that's going on at the same time there's infinite amounts of research about how social media is increasing depression and anxiety i was just looking at another study where even children growing up uh with um ipads and screen time are more likely to feel anxious and depressed by the time they're 11 or 12 and no judgment to any mom who's listening to this and the only way that you can get your child to eat a meal or stay quiet in the car is to give them a tablet. You have to do what feels in alignment for you. And you have to keep in mind that this research is new. We are in a modern day world. So let's assume that depression is inevitable. Like it's going to happen no matter what. Uh, I'll add like a little asterisk here. I spent the weekend at a regenerative farming conference outside of Austin. You would have, you and Danny would have been out of your mind. It was so amazing. It was like all of our people in one place. It was the coolest thing ever. And the whole, and just to define regenerative farming for those who are not familiar with it, it is, for example, having a cow and the cow walks on earth and the earth isn't perfectly uh, manicured. It's not like nicely styled or regularly lawned. It's usually a free, free growing piece of land. The cow poops and pees on the earth, continues walking and dung beetles and bacteria take the manure and they bring it into the soil and they enrich the soil, therefore allowing better crops to be built, healthier animals. And then when we eat those healthy animals, we are therefore healthy and we feel better. So the whole premise of regenerative farming is, you know, I see it actually as a solution to our mental health crisis as well, bringing people back to the land. 
And I talk about this so often with my spiritual clients that so many of us move to big cities because that's where we found the opportunity, not realizing God lives in nature. So you have to go out of your way. You have to hop on the subway. You have to drive in your car 20 minutes just to see a plot of grass and a tree or some water. And there's something to question there when so many of us connect to God through nature or spirituality through nature. Mm-hmm. We are living in a time where we we forgot, like we kind of got really distracted. We got wrapped up. I believe that we work so hard in our businesses and once we maybe generate a higher level of abundance we choose to buy the house or buy the car and we're in this constant cycle of working and spending and sometimes some of us need to realize that it makes us sad and the most important thing is likely not working overtime it's probably spending time in nature with your family so it's an epidemic there's a huge conversation there's a huge mental health crisis uh, I I do think there's something to be said, but really hasn't always been like this. And if you are feeling depressed, feeling states of sadness, something that I offer to you that can really be life altering is one, know that you are not alone. I will even say that feeling states of sadness is the activator to get you to do the thing that you really need to do to heal align and grow it starts with drinking water it starts with getting some sunlight i'm a chicagoan i get it you sometimes need to work really hard to find that sunlight putting your feet in earth and soil grounding there's significant amount of research on the practice of we would call it grounding in clinical psychology so my background my, i have my master's in clinical psychology i spent my 20s living in israel india all throughout asia and also europe and grounding is a life-altering practice of coming back to nature. It relaxes the nervous system. And so many things that I talk about, alignment, connecting to your inner self, connecting to a higher power, it does require you to have a relaxed nervous system. So that means you're getting outside, you're eating properly, you're focusing on a high quality proteins, all that stuff, continue on that because once you have a relaxed nervous system you can then decide the next aligned steps that means you are clear on your manifestations what you want out of life what you deeply need and i'll bring in the science when you are feeling depressed you are likely not working within your strengths so this is a really good time to look into dr martin seligman of university of pennsylvania he's the father of positive psychology in the west He brought forth the PERMA model, and I'm not gonna dive into the whole PERMA model. I have a whole, I have like a lot of resources where you can kind of look into that. But the E in the PERMA model is engagement. And it's all about how essential it is to live in your strengths, because you're happier when you are fully engaged. If you're interested in that, you can look at via character strengths, Google it, I'll, I'll send Steph the URL that she can put in the show notes. I'm not associated to it in any way but it's a strength test that you can take, find out what your highest strengths are. And then once you engage in them, it typically increases happiness over time. So edit your screen time, edit how often you are on social media, make sure you're spending time in nature, properly hydrate, get some minerals in your body, eat a good diet, be a kind voice in your own head. And those are some good good rules to follow. Yeah, I love all of them because I mean, 
the reality is there's so many reasons why I think in this modern world, we're all depressed, right? There's social media, there's screen time, there's the gut brain connection. And most people are eating foods that, you know, and just have guts that are not functioning the way that they would have 150 years ago. There's toxins, which are interfering with hormones, which impacts the way that our brain chemistry works. I mean, there's so much. And at the end of the day, so many of those tools that you just shared support all of those different elements. Right. And I mean, the nature piece is so understated, I think. And it's so interesting. Like I remember when we moved to Atlanta and Atlanta is a pretty city. Like I will, like it is so green and there's so much like it, like when you're driving around, it is a beautiful city. There is a lot of green, but I remember like, I was so anxious and I, when I lived in California, I could go to the ocean whenever I wanted. And I would go to the ocean several times a week. And like something about being in front of nature that made me feel small, right? Like being in an awesome environment that like, like inspires awe made me feel small. It made me feel insignificant, but in a good way, like in a, I'm just like a speck of dust in this earth. And like, I feel connected to spirit because look at how magical this is. Look at how awesome this is. This existed for millions of years before me, and it will exist for millions of years after me. And I am just part of this. And something about that experience would really humble me and make me realize that my problems, my anxieties, my fears were relatively insignificant. And when we moved to Atlanta, I didn't have access to that. I wasn't getting that same feeling from being around trees. Like it wasn't the same as like being in a big forest. And I, I would go and walk in Piedmont park, which is a beautiful park. And I would get like a glimpse of that, but it wasn't the same thing. And when I, when we moved and we made a decision to move and we were looking at different cities and thinking about what was going to make the most sense, that was like the number one thing on my list. And here when I'm driving and I see the mountains or I'm walking at, you know, this little loop that I do by my house that I can't wait to take you to this weekend, a little lake loop, and I'm seeing the front range. And it's like, it gives me that, it gives me that I awe inspiring. I feel connected to spirit. God lives in nature. My problems are insignificant. And I just think it's so underrated. Like, No, we, we don't talk about, this isn't taught in school. This isn't something that you're getting access to on a day-to-day basis, even when you're like reading a magazine article and it's like 10 ways to reduce anxiety, you know, like, and so I really, I really appreciated you bringing that up because it resonated super deeply with me and anyone who's listening to this, who is struggling to connect to that feeling of something bigger, get your butt in nature, you're right. And like, go and look at something that really feels awe-inspiring. And maybe you don't have access to the mountains or the ocean, but like, can you go and look at like the magic of a flower, right? Or like something that just like really inspires awe and see how humbling that is. This is a really important topic because it, we are grounding the big emotion. So let's assume that you are listening to this podcast and you're in it, right? You're in the panic you're in the sadness, you're in the anxiety, you're in the heightened state. And I'll present to you a practice that is, it's in a lot of modern, it's in a lot of religion and it's called walking the middle path. And I usually always teach it in the realm of Buddhism, but I'm reading this really amazing book right now. Um, And there was a section all about Kabbalah, which is Jewish mysticism. 
And they talk a lot about walking the middle path as well by defying ayin, which is nothingness, and yesh, which is the infinite. And this is where we live, right? There's a place where we live in between the finite and the infinite, the nothing and the infinite. And Buddhism has a very similar practice where uh, one of the cores of Buddhism is suffering is inevitable. It is going to happen no matter what, and you cannot lose your compassion. A side effect of being in this current human experience is suffering. And if you are in the thick of it, you have to walk the middle path. And I think this is the most important thing because uh, I just truthfully, especially for clients in my world, I usually assume, and I know it's not safe to assume, but at this point I do because I've been in this sphere for so long that a lot of my clients have moved through pretty extreme trauma, right? They've gone through big obstacles. And when you're going through a big obstacle, you experience something pretty life altering that was very jarring and maybe still lives in your body and is something you're still processing, which is true for so many of us. It's hard to say to somebody like, like, let's move into positive thinking or focus in the present moment or all of these things where yeah, I'm, I'm not the person to call out spiritual bypassing, but there's something where um, there's an honesty with self and that's where walking the middle path is most important. It's knowing that, yes, maybe you moved through something. Yes, maybe there's devastation in the world around you. And that is, and that's a big thing. And also you have the tools to come back into your body. You know how to ground your breath. You have a supportive family. You know that if you get in nature, you're going to feel a little bit better, if not a lot. You know that an amazing meal can bring you back to God or yourself or to compassion and kindness. So walking the middle path is, it's my own personal practice. And I think it's something that can really lead to a lot of healing for so many people. Mm. Can you give me like an example? I know you just said like a few of the, like the eating the amazing meal, et cetera. But I think for a lot of people that can feel really not tangible. Like, what does it mean to walk between the finite and the infinite? And like, what does walking the middle path mean? And so can you kind of just elaborate on that more and give a more maybe concrete examples of like for someone who's interested, but it's like, that feels really far away. How do they get there? So a very concrete example of walking the middle path is somebody who maybe experienced sexual trauma when they were younger, or maybe not even significantly younger, maybe recently, but walking the middle path is also looking at the world around you noticing wow, my good girlfriend has an amazing partner or wow, like my parents, they have a pretty healthy relationship or my grandparents or my aunt. So walking the middle path is this horrifyingly bad thing happened to me. And I know that it's not true. It's, it's not a commentary on the world, right? It's not true for everybody and that there's a possibility that I could call in a partner where I'm gonna feel safe, seen, heard, loved, supported. So that's walking the middle path. Oh, that's so helpful. Yeah. And, you know, just like being able to live in the and is kind of how I described it without knowing what you called it, being able to be like, there can be two truths, right? I can have experienced said thing and that doesn't mean that has to be my future, right? Like, and I find that the living in the and which is, I guess, walking the middle path in whatever ways we can, you know, there might be nuance is the, so much in the energy of the divine feminine 
because when I think about so much of like masculine energy is very like black or white, right? It's very much like you do this thing and then it works this way. And you know, it's like very structured. Whereas like feminine energy is a lot more fluid, right? It's like, well, that could be true. And this can be true. And there's like more movement fluidity. We can, we can see the, the ands so much greater. And it's so interesting because I found with so many of my clients over the past several years that this black and white mindset is becoming increasingly prevalent, more common. And it is such a barrier to these women being able to succeed in their goals, being able to self-actualize, being able to fill in the blank, right? Whatever it is, the thing that is the next ascension for them. And it's so interesting to, to think about this idea of walking the middle path as like almost a strength of the feminine energy and how so many women are blocked off from that energy right now and living in that black or white, like it masculine, it has to be one way or the other. There's no in between. We are just learning about the feminine, truthfully. So femininity is cultural, right? Like feminine, like this is a much larger topic, but femininity is learned and it's cultural. It's the shaving the legs, right? It's like, that's something that was learned. It's the wearing a bra. That's something that was learned. Now, when we're talking about femininity and it's uh, this comes up a lot with my clients, we are not allowed to express a lot of emotions. For example, rage. Rage is something that is so authentically, in my opinion, feminine that we've never really been allowed to express because there was a conditioning involved that wasn't under the umbrella of cultural femininity. So, so often I will see women who have been like they're they're in it maybe um they're not necessarily the victim in the situation but an obstacle occurred where they were wronged so possibly and we feel extreme rage that's not the time to hand a woman a kleenex right it's the time to go scream at the top of your lungs outside it's the time to hit your pillow it's the time to move into your most primal form And the reason this is such an important conversation is because there's like along with all the awakenings that are happening right now and you feel it if you're listening to this podcast you're definitely in the realm of that like you're seeing it all around you people are shifting people are waking up it's uncomfortable it's important and it has to happen and a lot of that is the true liberation of the feminine and we are incredibly strong we have feeling states that we've never really been allowed to express and it's happening right now so it's a very amazing interesting time to witness it and i think Steph, you and i even talked about this it's like who are the women in our industry that are 30 40 years ahead of us that are setting the roadmap for us to follow and if you look at it there's a it's a it's kind of a significantly small number truthfully Right. So and I look for those women. I kind of need those women. One of my most sacred mantras is why not me? Right. So when I can practice why not me and I can see it out in the physical world, then I know I can call that in for myself. So it's a verb or it's a adjective that we're really defining right now, like the true embodiment of the feminine, because it's been a conditioning for so long. Yeah, I mean we should do just like a whole other podcast episode on that because I think it is so big and there is a 
like awakening, a divine feminine rising that I believe is happening. And there's, I mean, I think in some ways it's probably natural for over long periods of time, right? If we think back to, I mean, there's definitely no better time to have been born a woman in like pretty much probably all of known history, unclear about, you know, some history that maybe we don't know, but I think that there are definitely examples of like matriarchal societies and societies where the feminine was celebrated or sacred in a way that it hasn't. And I think it's probably natural for over millennia there to be waves of, you know, a feminine rising, a masculine rising, et cetera. Um, And we're definitely in a deficit right now of having not had strong examples of what powerful liberated feminine energy looks like. And I believe that for our children, I really do actually for our children, it's already going to be a different world. And then when I think about for their children and the children thereafter, it really makes me quite emotional. And honestly, it's interesting. I I talk to a lot of women about babies, obviously, but in my line of work and, and a lot of the women I know say they want a girl and they want a girl because they're like, I'm a strong, you know, independent, powerful woman. And I want to raise one. And it's so interesting to me, not that I don't think that they can or should, and that they wouldn't be beautiful examples to mothers, to young girls, and that we need that. But I actually have always held this belief that the world doesn't need more good women right now. There are an abundance of them. Like you go to any supermarket, to any mall, to any place, and you are going to find an amazing abundance of beautiful, strong, independent, creative, whatever, whatever you're looking for women. It's actually that we need more enlightened men. And I remember when I found out I was having a boy, I'd always like had thought I was likely going to at least have a son, if not multiple sons. And like, I truly feel like the greatest gift that we can give the like female population in the coming years is to raise really enlightened, menchy, woke men, like I like woke in a weird, like not, I don't know how, like that's the wrong word, but just like men who are like, I get cycles. I get, you know, don't go on birth control. Like I'm here to raise up the women in my life. And, and so just, yeah, I think that that's just like a real responsibility we have to the next generation to really raise some amazing men to empower this rising of the feminine because we need their cooperation. And that's, I think, been the missing link for so long. And now we have an opportunity to change it. I'm really in that with you. I see that so clearly. You're so right. And then I think about like all of our friends had sons, like, right. They all are really enlightened women and they are raising like the best men ever. Like that's so incredible. Wow, that's really fascinating. I think you're onto you're really onto a big conversation. I heard another perspective that kind of jarred me, which was women are having a lot of boys because the world's preparing us for war. And I don't want to obviously I don't want to believe that. So I think it's so interesting that this was shared with me with with someone who's not necessarily in our spiritual world. So I thought that was a very interesting comparison. Yeah. 
Ooh, I hadn't heard that one yet, but it is interesting. I mean, I, when I found out I was having a baby, I mean, I also was having dreams, like really intense dreams of like being with my daughter. And I, I mean, I connect to spirit baby. I believe that it's very possible that that is a future child for me and, or like the energy of a child, like anyways, but I was having these dreams of just really connecting with my daughter and just statistically speaking, because everyone I knew had had a boy, like anyone I knew basically, except for a couple clients, but truly, I mean, it was like an absurd amount, like 80 plus percent of the women that I knew either professionally or personally who'd had children in the past two years had had boys. I was like, statistically speaking, I have to be having a girl (laughs) and you know, I am having a boy and it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think there is like a, something that's happening around that. And it's powerful. And not to say that if you aren't raising a young girl or a young woman, or you are a girl mom right now that you are not doing your part in this, you are absolutely. And I think the responsibility is greater on those who are raising sons. And it also brings in the conversation of what does true feminism really look like? So is feminism trying to make partner your law firm or is feminism being at home with your kids, making a beautiful meal, taking care of the household. And is there a middle line in that as well? Because it's, it's also not a one size fits all model. hundred percent. Yeah. That is actually something that I have been meditating and reflecting on and figuring out what is the most, uh, appropriate way for me to share my feelings on that. Because I really think that feminine feminism in the way that it has been imagined since the seventies and on has really failed um, in terms of failed women, in terms of when we look at satisfaction, fulfillment, and so much. And I also, <laughs> it always comes back to the birth control. It like, I really think tracks with the introduction of birth control and um, yeah. So TBD on that. I actually, when you shared one of your mantras before air, when you were like, you know, why not me? Your mantras have been one of the greatest gifts in my life. Truly. Like I have adopted and utilize your mantras and they have really made the biggest difference for me. Um, and so I'd be really curious and just, this is more like selfishly one. And then two, um, I know how beneficial they would be to the community here. Will you share some of your other mantras and yes, can we introduce those? And I think we need to do a whole nother episode on feminism. So we can get into that. Mantras are absolutely life altering. The origin of mantra is repetition. So it's, it comes from, it's a Hindu Sanskrit word. It's typically brought into the world for japti. So if you have a necklace with 108 beads, typically a radaksha beads, which is a type of seed, you would chant the mantra. So the words slash sentence 108 times until it's ingrained in your system. Mantra was then adapted into positive psychology into words of positive affirmation because it works. The reason mantra is so life altering is there's a conversation around reprogramming the subconscious mind. And once you truly believe it, like once you truly believe something, you will see it. And Wayne Dyer said that amongst a lot of other people who said something similar. So some of my most favorite mantras, I mean, even Steph was saying something before our call about her pregnancy and about business. And I just said, I'll have some of that. I'll have some of that is your way of saying of manifesting. So you're co-creating with the energy around you. You are saying to yourself, to God, as you understand it, to energy, this is a thing that I want for myself. It's usually rooted in feeling states. So Steph's excitement about something happening in her pregnancy and in her business, 
I desire that for myself. This is the feeling state. I'll have some of that. I'll have some of that is life altering. It is incredibly powerful. I write it down, keep it with you. Why not me? Why not me is another manifestation practice. It is when you see something out in the physical world and you think to yourself, it exists across the street. It exists on Instagram. It exists in the rest, like with the couple at the restaurant right next, right next to me. Why can't I have that for myself? And that was a really big one for me. My, my book is at this point when this uh, podcast is released, the book is done and really? yeah. So, and the book really was a, why not me? It's like all these people have best-selling novels. You know, why can't I be that person? Why can't that be me? So why not me is a really incredible one. My personal mantra right now, I have uh, John and I have some big life decisions that we need to make and, and they're so big that you i find myself making like really using my brain trying to be as logical as possible and that's just i mean that's just you know what that's just not going to work that's not that's not co-creating that's not my highest self so my personal mantra right now is i surrender deeply and completely show me how good it can get i surrender deeply and completely show me how good it can get and that's more of a prayer right that's more of a surrender practice if on YouTube, I have a whole series talk show with Aaron and I talk, there's one episode devoted completely to surrender prostration poses. So actual poses and asana formations in your body, um, postures in your body. And yeah, it's been a really powerful one for me. And I'll, if you follow me on Instagram, I'll continue sharing updates on that. And then There's so many other mantras that I really love to work with. One of my favorites that I also got from you is what other people think of me is none of my business. You know, it's so funny. So I bring that into like early stages in my book. Um, what other people think about me is none of my business. And I've had multiple people kind of uh, editors say, Aaron, you need to say like where you learned this quote from. And that's the thing about that quote. It's like, I don't think I read it anywhere. Like, I, I think maybe I, who knows? Like, who knows where I heard it from? I'm sure I read it or saw it or learned it, but they really wanted me to cite it properly. And it's been said by so many people. So I'll let you know if I, pro like if I properly cite it or who the proper citation even is. But what other people think about me is none of my business. It, yeah, that's also a big one. It's a daily devotion, that one. Because the truth is you're here to live your most unedited life. We talked a little bit about femininity conditioning. Um, it's hard. It's really hard to live your most authentic life. Even this morning, I wanted to share this, uh, you maybe controversial thought on social media and I kept re-recording it. And like you find yourself back in that bubble, like you think you surpassed it, but you're still a little bit in it, right? And um, so I offer that to you if you are letting the opinions of others affect you and dictate how you are showing up day in and day out. What other people think about me is none of my business. Make it an alarm in your phone. Let that go off every 90 minutes as a reminder. Those are really good ones to start with. Yeah. I actually just wrote down that I surrender 
deeply. Show me how good it can get because I want to write it on my birth affirmations card. <laughs> yeah. I love that one so much. And thinking about just like the portal of birth and what it's asking from us is to really surrender and this concept that there can be ecstatic birth, there can be orgasmic birth, right? Like show me how good it can get right? Like show me how amazing this experience can be. Um, and I'm like surrendering to that and praying for it. And I'm, yeah, that one's going to be nice and big and hanging right above me, no matter where I am. So it'll be all over the house. (laughs) Yay. I'll help make that one too. That sign. That sounds great. You'll Um, record yourself, right? You're, you're going to record your birth. My birth. I mean, I don't know if we're going to record the whole thing, but we'll record elements of it for sure. Oh my God. I'm so desperate just to see everything. Yeah. You'll, it'll be unedited, bad (laughs) forward all over, (laughs) you know, it's so interesting. I mean, this is like totally off topic and I, we don't have to go into it further, but one of my clients is like really trying to birth is scary if you don't understand it and is really trying to understand birth. And she's like, I wish I could attend a birth, you know, but that doesn't seem to be an option for her right now before she's going to do it herself. And she was like, I was trying to find videos on YouTube and I can't, everything I'm finding is like fully edited. You know, they blur out the vagina, they blur out. And like, I want to see it. I need to see it. Like, that's, what's going to help me. And so, um, first of all, badass birth mother on Instagram, it's like every post is like full on everything you want to see. And it's so helpful if that's something that's interesting to you, but I just really think that it's important to record. It's like, it's oral history. I mean, it's like how we pass on and make things not scary. Like so often, if you go back 200 years or more, by the time a woman was giving birth, she would have seen it before. So it wouldn't be something to be fearful of. It wasn't like hidden behind a curtain in a hospital and, you know, behind a bunch of people to be this like scary thing. That is something that you've never seen. You would have seen your siblings be born. You would have seen your cousins be born. You would have seen what it looks like to breastfeed regularly. Like these wouldn't be like these unknowns. And I really think that we have to like recreate again, as part of this feminine rising, like recreate the sisterhood, recreate the red tent, really recreate this idea that we teach each other along the way. And fortunately we have these tools of social media, of technology to be able to aid us in that as we live increasingly isolated lives. So I love that Instagram. Yeah. I love that Instagram account. I think it's so, it's so funny. I was like trying to show my, like a new friend, something on Instagram. And I opened up my Instagram and it was, it was bad, badass mother birther. Yeah. Badass birth mother, badass birth mother. And it's just like a woman roaring a baby out into the world. And this girl looks at me, she's like, like, you look at like, what do you look at on your phone? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is the most amazing account ever. Are you kidding? Like you, you don't know about this. It was so, it was so funny. Yeah. That's an amazing account. Oh, well, honey, this was so special and so fun. I'm so grateful to have gotten the time with you today. I'm so grateful to get time with you this coming weekend. And I just know that Anyone listening to this will just continue to benefit from your knowledge. So can you tell people, of course, we'll link everything in the show notes, but can you tell people the best places to find you, what your current offerings are, what's up in your world? Yeah. If you resonate with anything that was shared here, a lot of, I'm best known for the Align Coaching Certification, a year-long container where you become a certified meditation teacher and spiritual psychology coach. If you listen to this episode and you message me and you say like, Hey, I heard you on Steph's podcast. I will honor early action pricing. If you apply and and join the container, uh, it's truly a life altering program. It's so it's, it's for the person who wants to be held on a year long spiritual path 
It's for the person who wants to be held on that spiritual path and also receive a high level certification and become a certified meditation teacher and spiritual psychology coach. And if you are, are already a guide, a mentor, a midwife of the soul, this is another place where you can get all these super diverse tools because I really weave in my Ivy League background and living in diverse ashrams all around the world. So it's a it's a high level integration. Um, also, when this comes out, I will be launching a business coaching container. So if you want to launch and scale your business to six figures and multiple six figures and you're a spiritual heart led, authentic entrepreneur, connect with me. That would be an amazing time to join Limitless Mastermind. And I'm on Instagram at Aaron R. Doppelt. That's also my TikTok. I try to share a lot of high level teaching content rooted in Eastern ritual and Western psychology. AaronRachelDoppelt.com is where you can find me. I'll send all of this with staff. Thanks so much, my love, for having me. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited about the next group of aligned coaches that are going to come out at the line teachers that are going to come out of the certification. And yeah, I, anyone who's listening to this, who's interested, Aaron's programs are beyond, 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 beyond. So thank you for being here and sharing your wisdom. I love, I love you. I love you. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs>